Dr. Stephen Tomlinson. He's a professor of Ellen Abbey uh, for theology um, and also the Great Books program as well. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more? Give a little bit of background of who you are, where you came from, all that. Uh, sure, sure. Well, well, well thank you, EJ. I, I, I'm very grateful to uh, be given the opportunity to to um, uh, do, you know to come onto the podcast and and to speak about this. It's a it's a, re it's a real honor and privilege. And yeah, I, I am a native from South Carolina. Um, I grew up in Anderson, so uh, for those who may be familiar, uh, just a, a small town, not just about an uh, half an hour or so south of Greenville. And um, I, I did undergraduate studies at Christendom College in Virginia, and then subsequently did graduate work at uh, Catholic University of America, Washington D.C. And, uh, and after teaching there for a little, a uh, few years, I, I, I was able to come down to Belmont and, and have been here. Um, little over a year now and uh and, and and very happy to be here and um uh yeah yeah and just you know help trying to uh assist the local church in as best as i can and we can here and uh and and yeah it's, it's been good so i'm very grateful well awesome and welcome to our uh our podcast here it's, it's a great honor to have you on the show on the show and to share your knowledge and your expertise in this field. Um, just so everyone knows, we are uh, focusing this month on baptism and confirmation. Um, there's two reasons for that. One, everyone is preparing for confirmation and interviews start in October, so you need to have it in as soon as possible <laughs> uh, to make sure that you get enough knowledge and can have enough time to study the material um, and come to know about that sacrament. Um, but another reason is because baptism and confirmation are so closely linked, um, and we want to make sure we emphasize that and um, explain that a little bit more. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in the podcast, um, are those two sacraments, but also how they're related. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started, um, maybe with a prayer. Um, let's begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. We ask that you open our minds and our hearts to your word and to your teachings so that we may fully embrace them more and make them part of our lives. We ask that you bless all the families who have signed up for Fide, that they may come to know the faith more um, and grow in the faith and knowledge of the faith together um, and glorify you um, at, at home. We ask this in your name. Amen. Your Father, Son, Amen. Amen. All right. So I think we're going to start off by just... Um, addressing the topic of baptism um and then we'll go into confirmation later on and how they're related but right. i think first things first is um baptism and one of the things that people always seem to have a problem with or are a little confused about is infant baptism <laughs> right why do we you know baptize babies um especially um because we see a lot in the protestant realm that people are being baptized later on and their explanation is, oh, well, they have the choice to do it. Uh, we want them to have the choice to be baptized. So why infant baptism? And maybe explain a little bit how that happened and where that came about in the Catholic faith. Um, right, so so uh, th th this is a great question and, and something that's, you know, you run into quite a bit, um, you know, in, in circles where, you know, Protestantism, fundamentalism uh, is, is, is really strong or the influence is very strong. I mean, um, 
Right. So uh, I guess one of the first places to start in addressing the a response to that is is really scripture, right? And so when um, you look at a, a number of places in the New Testament, when 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 we start talking about the scriptures, um, there's or about the sacrament of baptism, um, there really is not much room or warrant for requiring um, sort of the reasoned assent to the sacrament as ne as a prerequisite, as necessary. So, I mean, we can think of uh, um, some key examples, like when when uh, when the children are brought to Jesus, right, and and suffer the little children to come to me. Um, and, 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 and certainly in the Gospel of Luke, where it's even referring to, to speaking of baptism in this case, um, and mentioning, right, that, that the kingdom of heaven uh, belongs, belongs to them and is referring to infants. These are certainly, um, you know, children below the age of reason that, uh, you know, and, and, and the idea is that uh, what is needed to come to Christ is not that you at least in this this sacrament, you know, that you reasonably or that you're uh, assenting to it. It, it, it. It's sort of affirming the latent um, quality. It, just, just by simply being human, uh, Christ is making the first move and laying claim upon the soul, so to speak. And, um, and even, for instance, in the book of Acts, when you see uh, the apostles going to, to, to baptize and to bring people into the church, um, very often what's happening is you're seeing whole families being baptized all at once. So sometimes the head of the house will be the first to ask one of the apostles to be baptized, and then it will just simply say, and he was baptized along with his whole household, right? Which is to be understood, you know, all the way down to the children, right? Uh, it's not making a distinction based on reason, like that I am of, re of age to be able to say yes or no, um, right? It's it, it, so the... You know, just just to just to affirm that um, that uh, the scriptural warrant is 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 not making a distinction for or or uh, making as a requirement that you be of of, a, of the age of reason. I mean, and and even in Saint Paul, for instance, is um, you're going to find in the um, I believe it's the letter to the Colossians. You're going to see they beginning to uh, replace the requirement of circumcision with baptism right. and they're going to be seen as a uh, uh, as a one-to-one -one kind of um, just ju just kind of complete replacement for the Christians because you know certainly after the um, the uh, you know the Council of Jerusalem you know they're not they're not they're not laying upon the prescriptions of the old law anymore for converts and baptism is com comes to be seen as replacing uh, circumcision, which in normal circumstances was administered to infants, right? So, and, and, and circumcision didn't require that you said yes or no to it. Uh, the Jews just understood that um, by being born as a, as, a, as a member of the race of Israel, um, you are in, by that fact alone, uh, brought into the covenant, whether, you know, you know and so Baptism is seen in the same way, right? That that the church, Christ, is is is, is you are uh, being brought on, and 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 it's not really, um, it's just not a prerequisite. So, mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, and 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 I would just say, I guess, is a, a last thing. Um, you know, when we look at the early Christian tradition, um, we don't really have any records of children brought up in Christian homes. Certainly, like in the first century, um, that are sort of waiting until they can make a reasoned uh, choice for Christ. Right, that they're like, um, I've now accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now I will will be baptized. That um, I mean, in some cases where you have uh, uh, a Christian mother and a pagan father, sometimes you have, um, th there's tension there. The case of Augustine is very noted for this. Augustine, I mean, his mother wanted to baptize him very early on, but because that there, um, it was deferred. And this was something he resented later in life. Uh, he, that, that it was, uh, you, know, you know, that there was a delay or something. I mean, because the, the understanding you know that in the Christian household, it's uh, this is done from the beginning, um, right? So, um, I, I guess yeah. So I mean, I guess just by way of kind of summarizing the answer, the um, the, the the arguments for requiring the the the, the need for um, sort of reasoned assent to this sacrament in particular. Um, it's just not given. It's not. It's just not substantiated by the testimony of the Bible um, mm. or the witness of the early Christian tradition. And so, in, and, and the church continues uh, to practice that understanding. Um, I mean, it doesn't rule out that you know adults often do later. You know, converts especially do come right. into. Uh, and 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 in that case, yes, you are using reason. But the um, the 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 sort of normal mode or practice, if you will, um, is, is just not assuming that it's and it's not right. requiring that. Yeah, I believe the canon laws say that um, if you're seven and below, it's the parents who get to decide if you're seven and above, then you have to assent to reason and ask and get permission from the actual individual. Um, right. Right, right, right. I mean, I think it's seven. <laughs> right, right. And, and, uh, yeah, you you know, you could also make the analogy um, that, you know, that was great that you pointed out, you know, like, you know, parents um, making the decision and, and, and certainly with, uh, you know, children above or below the age of reason. But if you think of it like parents doing something for the good of the child, right. by analogy, you know, for instance, we don't, um, uh, you know, the parent is not going to allow the child whom they love to do something that will imperil or risk their life, right? Uh, and so, in a way, uh, you know, the, the, the parent stands in and is the one employing reason in making, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, the life or death decision for their child, right? And, and not just, because in a way, even though it may not always seem it, it is similar to the same thing of like, you know, a parent's not gonna let their child you know, go jump off the cliff or burn them, you know, uh, if they can help it. And, and, and the, uh, you know, the, and the church is very clear that in the uh, ordinary means of salvation, baptism is non-negotiable. Right. Right. It's it, so it's uh, it, in a way and right. And, and, and because, I mean, we often live in a time where everything is very privatized and it's the individual autonomy to choose for himself and his right and all of that. But 
the fact is, you know, the Christian life is such an intrinsically social thing and a communal thing. And um, that, that, you know, uh, that the, the, the parents and the, and the local community of the church and all of that are coming together and standing in for the child, for his, for that child's sake. Uh, and so, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not this kind of um, intense individual autonomy that the child has to kind of come of age and then say yes or no and, 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 and that, that sort of thing. But, right. Well, that's a great answer and a very thorough one that goes over, you know, scripture, tradition, um, but also just practical reasons as well, um, as far as why right. the church has his teaching of infant baptism that has been around since the early church. So it's not something that's new, something that we made up. It's just, this is part of the early church and the original Christian teachings. Right, right. Uh, and that being said, you know, um, you know, parents may wonder, okay, if we're doing infant baptism, why is it so important? What exactly is baptism and why do we have to do it as infants? Um, right. That reason. So can you explain a little bit what baptism is and why it's so important to get it done? Yeah. So early? Sure. So, um, yeah, the, in, in many respects, we could just say right at the beginning that, um, very simply that baptism is the, and as the catechism even will express it this way is, uh, you know, the gateway to the other sacraments, right? Without baptism, no one is eligible to receive the other six sacraments under any circumstances, um, right? So, I mean, that's astonishing when, when you think about that. The church does not believe or it does not see as legitimate, uh, right? Holy orders, marriage, um, anything as 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 sort of uh in a rectified sense without the sacrament of baptism so it's in a way it lays a foundation for um you know the corporate life of faith that follows in the sacramental life um you know going forward but but even but 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 in terms of the bigger picture we can just say a few things that um it's the first of the three sacraments known as the, the, the sacraments of initiation, mm -hmm. um, right? Baptism, confirmation, uh, and the Eucharist. Right? In the early church, these, these three um, were often administered all at once. And, and uh, so, and baptism being the most fundamental of them, the, 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 the beginning, right? And so the initiation into the life of, of faith and the life of the church, right? The, the, so being incorporated into the uh, into the body, the both both the mystical body of Christ, but you know the body set up here on earth that is designed to uh, extend the salvific work of Christ in time and space and history. So, I mean, it's it's the normal way uh, to become a partaker of that. But so so yeah, I mean, at a fundamental level, it's the basis of the Christian life, right? All the grace that one uh, responds to and utilizes to grow in the whole of one's Christian life is understood to be rooted uh, in seed form in the sacrament of baptism. Mm -hmm. So that that's astonishing in terms of realizing how important it is. I mean, others have pointed out, I mean, you, you very truthfully can say, I mean, that uh, sanctity, achieving the highest states 
of perfection in the Christian life is nothing less than realizing the implications of one's baptism. Right. right? So, I mean, that, that is astonishing. In other words, that becoming perfect is really living the full consequences of one's baptism, right? To, to, the, um, to the full extent, uh, letting it, letting it um, come to full fruition. I mean, this is one of the reasons why to withhold it or to delay it unnecessarily right. is, uh, you know, is, 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 I mean, there's a certain level of imprudence with that, um, you know, that, that, because, I mean, there, there's so much at stake that you are deciding to just shelve and delay or, 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 or but that, that, um, that, 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 uh, how would you, I mean, Right. I mean, once you really realize what, what all is happening, the sooner one can begin to enter into this whole reality, the better. Right. The sooner, uh, the better. Right. Because grace, the church's understanding of grace, um, it doesn't wait upon the recipient to freely um, to freely say yes or no. Uh, I mean, all the time. Right. I mean, the church has an understanding of I mean, we, we don't want to get into the whole complications of this, like, you know, prevenient grace or the grace that. Right. Uh, but but that even goes before. I mean, somebody even coming to a church and asking, "Hey, what do I need to do to be saved?" Or that is already the fruit of a grace, right? To have brought the person to the point where they want to seek the next step, and so that's what I mean. Meaning, it is operative even before. So so to um, that 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 that's why, right? I mean that that it, that it can play. A, it's so important that it be done uh, uh, sooner. But I guess also a, a few other things that are of major importance is obviously the removal of sin, the removal of sin. So uh, both original sin, uh, which is which is understood to have been contracted by the whole human race with the fall of Adam and Eve, and all of the consequences that flow from it, but also even actual sin, right? So, so all of sin. So the removal. Of, of all sin, which is a, a tremendous grace, and then um, also right the the uh, initiation into divine adoption, right the the notion of becoming adopted sons and daughters of God, being part of this. That this is like the the great mystery that Saint Paul is obsessed with across so many of his letters. Like this was the the big picture that God was originally intending to bring about, and 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 that's now possible. Uh, because of the work of Christ, and and can be entered upon through baptism, right? To become sharers into this mystery, into the into the uh, into the life, uh, divine life, right? Um, right, and 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 because of all of that, it also imparts a uh, an indelible mark, right? It's one. Of, it's the first sacrament in the church. Uh, to impart what's known as the the indelible seal, the, it marks the soul. Anyway, so I mean, when people say, "Well, there's no difference between a baptized soul and an unbaptized soul or person," uh, maybe on the outside, but interiorly, right. that's not true. Uh, there, there, there's a fundamental ontological change, like that, a totally different kind of thing comes into being as a result of this sacrament, and and um, it, it's the first of these. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, you might you might think of it if the sacraments were all collectively building a house together, building a house uh, of the human person, right? In in, in the kind of restored uh, person on the way to God. Baptism is like the, the foundation floor. It's the it's it, we can't build the house uh, without having um, the, the the foundation laid. So. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I mean, th those are a lot of the objective things that are happening with the sacrament, and consequently, why the church sees uh, it is it, having such importance. Um, right. And one of the things I wanted to see if you can clarify, you mentioned that um, baptism uh, rids us of uh, original and um, personal sin. Right. Um, now, with personal sin for an infant, does that exist? Um, and if so, how? <laughs> right. Uh, so this is a really great question because, um, you know, sometimes it, it, it's kind of uh, assumed that, well, when I get baptized, isn't it just like going back to the Garden of Eden, right? I mean, it should just basically be uh, like ground zero where, where there's no... Um, you know, like all, all the way back there. Uh, and, 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 but the truth of the matter is it, it's not that actually. So, um, and, and because, right, because Adam and Eve, for instance, before the fall, um, not only did not have original sin, but they did not have, um, what we, what the, the effects of original sin, what, what the church calls in, in, you know, you know, um, more complicated terminology, right? Concupiscence, right? The, 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 uh, the lingering weakness of the will, weakness of the flesh, that is a consequence of original sin that remains for all of humanity, right? I mean, so um, that is not taken away at baptism. So this is, so this is what, I mean, so at baptism, yes, you, you, the, 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 uh, um, you might say the, um, the the stain of original sin the the um, right. is, is removed, and any um, you, you know actual sin that has been committed you know for those who are of, of the age of reason is removed, right. but um, the the lingering weakness for sin for evil as a result of the fall is still with us. And baptism just, it doesn't, it doesn't get rid of that. That's, that is why, so even people who are baptized can enter into a life of sin and, uh, and can, you know, uh, forfeit that grace and weaken that grace. But I mean, this is why in God's mercy, we have the sacrament of uh, confession, reconciliation, which uh, restores that, you right. know, um, when the need, when the need arises. But, uh, but right. So, I mean, that is why there is still the desire for sin and, and, and even, even after baptism. And, and so, um, it, it doesn't quite go back all the way to the pre-fallen state, you, you know, so. Right. Uh, yeah. But, so, yeah, I guess that, well, that, that, well, that makes sense that, um, well, first of all, you, you did address that, you know, infants don't have personal sin, uh, right. they really are being removed of original sin. Um, but anyone 
like you said, of the age of reason who gets baptized will be removed of personal and original sin. Right. Um, which makes perfect sense. And even going to the um, example of uh, concupiscence and like, yeah, we don't return, we don't return to the state of Adam and Eve. We don't re return to the garden. Um, and we are in a world that's broken. We're in a world that's full of sin. Right. And that yeah, is what concupiscence uh, comes into play. It, it, it's our temptation to be part of this world and to um, right. engage in the sinful acts of this world. And we get, I mean, an analogy of this, not really an analogy, it's, it's in scripture, but before the fall, Adam and Eve did not know good and evil. They just knew good. Right. 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 So with the eating of the tree, the fruit of the tree, they become aware of good and evil. And that stays. So we all have now this knowledge of good and evil and have a temptation towards the evil. So even if we get baptized, you know, we still right. live in I mean, a world of good and evil. I mean, you know, and this, this is a great point that you're bringing up, EJ. I mean, we could even say one of the ways to even just begin to understand the whole rationale and even need for the sacraments in general is an awareness of the fact of original sin. I mean, because th they are, by their logic, intensely medicinal. Mm -hmm. They're intensely, uh, right, they're, 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 they're to, to heal. Like, like I mean, um, because, I mean, we, we just can't, you know, quite appreciate just what it was like for Adam and Eve before the fall, because the total integration, total harmony between reason and will, there was no, um, like, you know, there, there, there's, there was no such thing as like the, the body desiring something that reason couldn't totally control and regulate, right? So all of a sudden though, we now have a situation where that power, that integration is gone, it's gone. And so um, this, there's, there's the warfare of the struggle now that, that is all the effect of that. And, and this is why, um, you know, a lot of the sacraments have their logic. They're rooted in trying to be a um, uh, remedy and a, and a medicinal effect against this, um, you know, the, the, this kind of power and uh, that that has great hold over over uh, you know men and women t today. Um, and you know, and have since ever since uh, ever since the fall. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's a great answer and appreciate um, all the insight you brought there. Um, you mentioned a couple times um, about baptism being the primary, the ideal, the, um, the way the church says is the way towards salvation. Um, now, what happens to those who aren't baptized? Um, those right. who, you know, by, either by no fault of their own or unaware um an mm -hmm. upbringing where baptism doesn't exist um or baptizing correctly because uh, that happens a lot oh yeah oh, that's a great um, yeah that 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 happens um, yeah so what happens in that in that state is is there um hope in a way um for um them to um experience the the uh, the fullness of the baptized life Right. Well, uh, wonderful question. And, and, and I, I guess I would want to say right away, uh, yes, 
there is uh, always hope. Um, but to give a complete answer, I think we should just begin by making um, the distinction between what's known as the ordinary means to salvation and the extraordinary means to salvation. And right? so in terms of the ordinary means, what we, what we mean by that is just what the church has come to understand from the words of Christ himself and the teaching of the apostles as the basic kind of normative requirements for salvation. And among those is baptism mm -hmm. to the point where you can say you could you you know you can say strictly speaking in accordance with the ordinary means of salvation the unbaptized uh, uh, are not saved you could just if we're just going to talk in a very very strict sense mm -hmm. uh, because you know outside of the ordinary means they're uh, is no salvation. If we were going to just restrict it kind of very, very, uh, in, in a kind of very defined way like that. But the the church doesn't understand it in that very, very strict sense because uh, it also um, makes room for uh, what's known as baptism of desire and also baptism by blood. And, right. and so in the case of baptism by blood, which which is the easier to understand it's right, often yeah. it's like martyrdom right so even though um the person may not have the opportunity to avail themselves of the sacrament in the ordinary way they they give their life to christ in a way that the church is like the very act itself is baptismal so it, it's uh and and you know that they they kind of already i mean that that's an example of of grace almost even going before Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and has brought them to the point where uh, the, the, that's where baptism normally is going to is, is, is prepare, you know, preparing and uh, they're already there. And, and so, you know, the, the church understands that to be salvific it's a, 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 in that sense. But perhaps more specifically to what you were getting at is, is the question of baptism by desire. And. And here we can make a distinction between what's known as uh, vincible ignorance and invincible ignorance. So technical terminology, but basically what that means is uh, vincible ignorance is ignorance for which the person is blameworthy, culpable, meaning I had the opportunity to come to the truth, to ask the questions, to seek somebody, or uh, it was within reason it, it, it was re it is it, it, um, reason to assume based on the circumstances known that the person could um, have availed themselves of the means to have chosen otherwise but did not uh, in the case of invincible ignorance the the that is not even that's not there so here we're talking about yeah you know somebody perhaps you know on a south pacific island has never heard of the church, never seen a missionary, never seen a Bible, never ever heard the name of Jesus. Can they be saved? All right, and the church, even in that case, uh, has great latitude, right, in the sense that if the person is sincere uh, in, in, in living, um, you know, um, right, right, in, in accordance with the conscience as, in, as best 
informed as best as they can and um, you know pursuing you know and it has the desire for God even though they may not know him may not know who he is or know Jesus but but there is that desire that God um, that, that, that there is a way for them there is a way for them um, and lastly I guess what I would say in the case of for instance baptist uh, infants because this has been a question right what happens right. in the case of infants who die without baptism and perhaps the most you know tragic example of this is is is, is abortion right so we have millions and millions and millions and millions tens of millions of you know infants babies who uh, have died uh, without the chance of baptism and so what about them and the church very clearly teaches in all of these cases uh, we can we we uh, we confide it all to uh, God's mercy right so the church doesn't presume to judge right yeah. so if somebody tells you oh well they're damned they're speaking for themselves that is not right. the voice that's not the voice of the church the voice the church uh, refrains from passing judgment and says you right. know at this point we're really entering into a, a mystery right. and we presume on the mercy of God in this case and we're not and and we should just say right away how how uh, the church by the way doesn't kind of even presume to uh, name those who are in hell for instance I mean right she while she certainly teaches about the reality of hell you, you know in very very clear language she doesn't presume to name and state right. kind of with a absolute certainty those who are there whereas she does in the case of heaven right, right? so the saints i mean the church will very confidently say this person now enjoys the beatific vision is in heaven yeah. and, and we should the, and, and the rest of the church should ex should see that as uh, as as being you know defining something that is that is very real but she never um, defines that in the case of hell. While, I mean, so it's not—it's uh, not to, it's certainly not denying that it's that it's real, right? I mean, the scriptures are clear about this. It's there. Um, Christ, uh, you know, speaks about it. The apostles, see, the tradition is very clear about that. But it's just very interesting to note, though, that the church never comes forth and sort of unequivocally says yes these people are there right, right. these sons are there so um which is a great a great sign of confidence in uh the mercy of god always to defer to that um so right the i guess that, that the long and short of that yes even for the case of the unbaptized there is uh an enormous amount of latitude and range for hope right right and that's a great clarification because i know that's a big topic today um, about in those who are unbaptized, whether infants or not. Um, right. That brings up the clarity, um, especially with the infants, um, being that we rely on the mercy of God, um, and with great hope that His mercy obviously will bring about the, the correct justice, um, and we can have great hope that God's taking care of them. Um, Right, right. I mean, the scriptures say very clearly, right? God desires to save um, all men. Right? Christ, God desires to save all men, and so, um, yeah. And 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 it's also very clear that you know God is not frustrated in bringing His intentions 
to pass. Even right. if free will, even if human free will should kind of make, you know, uh, in certain cases, try to uh, make it more complicated and obstruct things, uh, the lesson that is drawn out from scripture and, 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 and uh, all of this is that God seems to always find a way. God will pursue and find a way to realize his will. And so, um, and so, so the, 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 there's great hope behind that. Right. Yeah. And the ultimate answer, I mean, for everyone watching, the ultimate answer for this question is we don't know <laughs> uh, how, right. what happens um, to uh, those who are unbaptized. Um, but we should have uh, hope and prayer. Uh, pray for them, obviously. Um, pray for the souls um, of those who have um, died without baptism. Um, and uh, pray and trust in God's mercy. Um, That's right. Exactly. I mean, and, yeah. and certainly, you know, to it should be an encouragement to, if at all possible, when and wherever, certainly to to pursue the ordinary means if right. they are made available right. to you. Right. I mean, because if yeah, you, you certainly wouldn't want to kind of have that mistaken assumption that, well, because the church doesn't define one way or the other, therefore, I have a license to abstain from the ordinary means if the opportunity is made available to me. Because at that point, you know, then you get into that very clearly into a case of vincible ignorance in, right. in, which, in, which, in which the, you know, the opportunity and the means were laid before you uh, and, and you said no. And, and in which case that, 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 that becomes a whole nother situation. So, right, I mean, so it's it's definitely a delicate balance, right? There, you know, we 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 stop short of kind of defining the boundaries and giving judgment on on the on the last word here, but but it is also very clear what the ordinary means are, and and that and that those should be encouraged whenever and wherever possible. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like that example everyone uses um, when going to uh, like committed a mortal sin, but then you're like, oh well. Um, or no, sorry, backtrack. There, right. I'm in the presence of committing immortal sin, and like right. ah, well, I, can, I can do it and just confess it later. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So yeah. because the, right, and and technically that kind of becomes another kind of sin, right? The sin right. Presum the sin presumption. Itself. I mean, I right. I kind of presume on God's mercy that you know I will just kind of very cavalier. Just I I, I will do it because. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I can, I will be saved or I can, I can always, uh, I can, always, I've always got that, uh, you know, the get out of jail free card. It's right that, you know, all I got to do is, and, right. um, you know, which might not always be there. So, right. but yeah. um, that's a great, yeah, great example though. Right. If, yeah. The same with baptism. If you're in a position where like, you know, you should be baptized, you're like, eh, uh, I'll wait till later. I know that even if, like, if I do anything now, like, um, God will take care of me. Like, well, then you're just testing God's mercy instead of like, trusting God's mercy. Uh, right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's a very important. That is brilliant, actually. Yes, the difference between testing and trusting. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, right. Because I mean, in a way, to to presume to test is to basically call into question the prudence uh the normal way like why you know as if to say well 
the normal custom and practice and, 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 and the teaching being this must lack a kind of prudence and wisdom about it. And to kind of test it and delay or whatever, uh, I, I am, I'm being more prudent or I'm being more, uh, wise about it. And, um, you know, which is, which is not always, you know, not the case. So, right. Yeah. That's that, That's great. I, I didn't even think about that, but, but that's a good, that's really good. Cool. Well, moving on here a little bit. Um, you talked about in the beginning that um, baptism was the gateway to the other sacraments. Right. Um, that is what opens up to the other sacraments. Um, now, one of the topics we are going to be talking about is confirmation. How does baptism open us up to confirmation and how are those two related? Right. Okay. So um, the kind of you know, in a nutshell answer to this, to this question is that, um, baptism, uh, or, or I should say confirmation, um, it both, you know, as its name suggests, confirms, you know, you, um, necessarily ratify, it might be the wrong, but, but, but it, 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 it confirms and strengthens the grace given at baptism. And people might say, well, well, I mean, that kind of, maybe that's unnecessary. Why the, why such a big deal for something that maybe seems kind of, uh, maybe not that essential. And, and again, uh, if we look at the testimony, right, of, of, of uh, the scriptures, and uh, it, it's very clear that something else is being given in addition to baptism, right? And I think of like two major examples uh, that emerge from the New Testament that are like, you know, you have a very hard time arguing against if we don't sort of truly understand confirmation as something that is building upon and perfecting baptism, right? So the first is the case of Pentecost itself, right? Uh, with, with Pentecost, right? I mean, these are, these are fully, um, well, you know, well, for all intents and purposes, these are baptized, basically baptized Christians, so to speak. I mean, these are Jews who are fully uh, living the full life, right? I mean, the sacrament hasn't really come into its own in a kind of full institutional way that we think of now. But I mean, we can understand the 12 as being baptized by the time that Christ has risen and uh, by the time that they're in the upper room. This is something that happens in addition that confirms and strengthens that earlier grace and um, and most especially orients it toward um, bearing witness to Christ. I mean, there's something very distinct and particular about this sacrament that takes baptism to the next level in the, in the sense of making the person able to bear witness to the faith. So there's something very moving about this because uh, right in the, from the earliest time, the earliest days, right, the, the, the notion, even the word witness is the translation of the term martyr, right? So right in a way, so it's like confirmation is that which enables the person who already has baptism to give the ultimate gift back to Christ, right? To pay the ultimate price, to bear the ultimate witness, to do, you know, to fulfill the, the, the 
you know, the the full ramifications of the Christian life, right? To, you know, St. Stephen giving his life, um, all of the apostles dying as martyrs. I mean, you know, except for John, but, but that, you know, that's the thing. I mean, they all ended up paying the price with their life. And, and you, you might say confirmation is, is the, the grace, the sacrament that uh, gives the, the 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 wherewithal to do that that carries baptism to its uh to its uh conclusion or or, or gives it the, the the maturity to to um to to flourish and to bring forth the fruit that is sort of expected of the christian life um so so they go together and 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 necessarily so because and, and confirmation is the second of the sacraments that impart the indelible mark Again, so it's not like confirmation is this afterthought, like, I don't know, sort of something I can just set aside. I mean, to be fair, in a strict sense, again, uh, confirmation is not seen as like absolutely irrevocably necessary for salvation in the same way that baptism is, right? We, you know, however, in the ordinary growth of the Christian life, it is seen as the as the necessary um, complement to baptism. Mm -hmm. And not for anything else, the fact that the scriptures are constantly showing this, because the, the second instance I wanted to talk about is in the book of Acts later on, when the deacon, Philip, right, has already gone into Samaria and has been baptizing all of those people there, right? And and, and then the question comes when, when uh, um, the next time the apostles, or, or they, 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 they gain, they, they find out that um, the, de you know, deacons have been there and have ministered baptism. And the next question is, have you received the Holy Spirit, right? And have you received, and, and the question is no. And so the next thing that happens is uh, Peter and John go into Samaria and start laying on of hands, right? So this is something fundamentally different than the, what the deacon had administered. This is something else that the apostles alone are imparting, right? This is a whole nother, like only the, and, and this is why even today, only the bishops can administer this sacrament. Uh, and in the case of extraordinary circumstances, priests who are delegated permission to do so. But the ordinary uh, administer of the sacrament is the successor to the apostles uh, and, and, and the imparting the Holy Spirit and, and confirming uh, what's what's been given at baptism. So, yeah. So, I, I don't. I mean, um, so so they they necessarily stand together, right? They, they um, you know, in terms of, I mean, the, the, the great analogy to kind of think, be thinking about underneath, like the logic of of it is is what is needed for the healthy, normal. Christian life, right? If you think about it analogously to a human life, right, there, there are certain basic things that a human life needs in, in a proper order. And so it is with the spiritual life. Confirmation naturally is the thing that follows upon baptism uh, as witnessed to by the scriptures as something that, that takes it to uh, its, its natural next level. Thank you for your answer um, in regards to how the baptism and confirmation are related and how you know, we we enter that um, to that state, and how um, confirmation is a, a confirming of right. what we the baptism 
um, and strengthening us to um, continue on that mission. Um, as we know and confirmation, everyone's blessed with the chrism oil. Um, right. It's a sign of anointing, um, right? It's, it's a sign of someone's now being prepared or being anointed to continue the, the faith at a, at a higher level and defend the faith at a higher level. Um, right. And they're literally changing their name, <laughs> right? We had the idea, oh, the saint name. Oh, is, man. You're getting the saint name, but the, I, the actual reason for it is that you're changing your name because you're getting, taking on a, a new responsibility in the church. Um, whether that's you're young or older, whatever it is, um, you are taking on a different responsibility in the church and you're being assigned a new name as Paul was assigned a new name for being Saul. So it's the same, same idea. And we take this like, oh, that's an ancient thing. No, that's modern. That's what we're doing today. No, that, that is yeah. such a great point. And I, I, you know, I, you know, failed to mention that. And I'm glad you, you brought that up because, I mean, the changing of the name is something that happens at very key significant moments across the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and you brought up Paul, which was certainly one of the most famous of all. But also Peter, right? I mean, Peter right. before, you know, just Simon, just the regular guy, and then and then and there's this moment, right, with the with the, the name change that comes in the wake of his profession and a faith, his 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 confession of faith to, in Christ, and uh, and right, and a whole new responsibility, a whole new identity. Uh, yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, no, that's that's great. I mean, I, 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 there are several instances. I mean, even going back to the patriarchs, right? Even mm. like Abraham, Abram going to Abraham, or right. Jacob, Jacob going, uh, right to Israel, or, or, um, I mean, Jacob keeps his name. There's another one that I'm, I'm forgetting, but that, that uh, um, but, but uh, it might come to me later. But, but, but yeah. the, the, the changing of the name, right? And so. You're seeing that the church is actually getting, you know, reaching back to a very, very ancient and venerable tradition in doing that, right. with with kind of uh, taking on a a, a patron, a patron, you know, uh, you know, patron name. So right. yeah, that's very good. Right. Um, just to um, kind of clarify, we talked about like, you know, um, um, confirmation, uh, confirming what baptism is. Um, we talked about how to strengthen us to, you know, uh, defend the faith, but also be partakers in the faith. Um, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with confirmation? What, how, how is that being received? Like we receive uh, the Holy Spirit at baptism. Are we receiving it again at confirmation? Or is it, you know, we lost it at some point and we're regaining it? How does that work? Um. Well, no. So as I said, that's a, that's a uh, that's a great, great question. And um, again, I mean, I think I think um, I think some of the instances that I've mentioned from the scriptures can illustrate, um, e even if they're not, uh, I, I guess, giving perhaps a, a full and complete satisfactory explanation in all cases. What it is is at least illustrating is that. Um, you know, that there is something very real and uh, additional that's happening in terms of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the recipient with this particular sacrament. That's not 
the case in baptism. And, 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 uh, and the, the classic sign of this, I mean, especially in the New Testament book of Acts, I mean, the Holy Spirit, for, well, I mean, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, and, and it's like, you know, we can't always penetrate to the complete brass tacks of the logic of why, why this is the way it is. I mean, I mean, sometimes you're seeing Christ ask the apostles to do things, even though the logic behind it may not always be clear. Um, but it just seems, you know, so, so that, yes, the Holy Spirit is given in the grace of baptism for sure. But because the Holy Spirit is, in a way, the principle uh, both of holiness and, and, and certainly the member of the Holy Trinity that is most associated with the church and the, the life of faith, the, um, you know, love, right? I mean, the, the, love being the, the, the perfection of the Christian life. I mean, it's astonishing, right? I mean, that um, at the end of the day, that is all that really matters, right? The, the perfection of the Christian life is charity and the only member of the holy trinity that is that is identified in a kind of official substantial way with this virtue alone is the the third person the last person right the most mysterious of all the persons the holy spirit right the, um so when john says god is love in a kind of particular way he's he's signaling the third person right that this last person who is who is associated with 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 charity in, in a kind of just uh, an astonishing way, which is, is, is and, and so um, you, well, while you have baptism, what, what we're seeing happen is the Holy Spirit is involved in a much more uh, heightened sense in the life of the believer with this sacrament. Uh, right. Pentecost is again is is, is the great a great example of this. I mean, um, all that the apostles were able to do uh, as a consequence um, in, in, in their life after right, the ascension of, of, of Christ is a direct result of the consequence of Pentecost, which itself is building upon the, um, you know, the, the baptism, if you will, that they have already, right? The confirmation. So, um, I, and I don't want to get so complicated, but 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 yes, I mean the Holy Spirit's present in both, but there just there there is something very real and substantially different and like next level right. stuff happening with this sacrament in particular that is associated with this third person of the Trinity, um, right. and. You know, and you're seeing all this like crazy signs and wonders and things happening with the early Christians as a direct result of this sacrament, right? As, as this gift, right? That, that the Holy Spirit, I mean, when you talk about, sometimes you talk about the charismatic gifts and all these things, some, some you know, and this is, this is the Holy Spirit manifesting uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a viscerally real way, but, but that comes to fruition as a result of, um, this sacrament. So, right. yes, I mean, uh, you know, uh, right. does that kind of does that kind of uh, yeah make, uh, answer uh, that? That's, that's a great answer because it it really shows how much 
um, these sacraments are mysteries. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it should be the. It should be. It should never be that sacrament that's like cast to the side. Is like, oh, not, you know, right. the the one that's really not that important or often gets overlooked. And, you know, the irony is, it is most closely associated with the only member of the Trinity who himself is the one who is most overlooked. Right. right. I mean, there's something so kind of ironic about that. I mean, everybody like. The Holy Spirit is the one that gets, it's always in the caboose, the one that, 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 that everybody, it's like, he's the one that doesn't get a proper name, right? Nobody right. knows the proper name of this last person. Uh, we only know that he's very real. He shows himself, he shows up at very key moments, but is the most mysterious, the most hidden, the one that is least known and understood. And in some ways, right, the sacrament that is most characteristic of of this person is the one that is also kind of uh mysterious right i mean right. It, it seems to it seems from all we can tell of its fruits to be imparting something that is undeniably real and visceral and and bodily and um right driving people to martyrdom like driving right. them like the way that the gospel of matthew says and the spirit drove jesus into the desert like um Almost like Jesus is not the protagonist in that relationship. Right. Something else is 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 at work. And so anyway, yeah. So that 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 it is not yeah. to be as this sort of understated, underestimated sort of add-on that's like optional or not important. You know. Right. Yeah, and we can you know we could try to figure out what, exactly what it means directly, but I think it's even more beautiful to leave it as a mystery too. I totally agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, sometimes sort of, you know, laying it all out and dissecting it and, and, and putting it all in its nice, neat boxes, it, it, it sort of removes the invitation to wonder and right. like gratitude and appreciation. Like, I mean, something about the mystery, the mysterious, there's, there's always more there than meets the eye. There's always something deeper and you, you haven't exhausted it. You haven't, you know... Um, so I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it, it kind of it kind of leaves, um, the you know, admiration leads to admire and, and wonder and and um, you know, because it's like that that saying, you know, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. I, I, it's not. It's not a. It doesn't incite my admiration and wonder anymore because I kind of see it comp through and through, and it's like, yeah. Um, I lost your um, sorry, face. I'm coming. I, I don't hey. know why. Uh, okay, there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I got a call. Yeah. Anyway, so. No um, yeah, yeah. So. So just a final question I have. Um, sure. You know, we commonly associate confirmation uh, with a maturity, like a, a certain age, you have to receive it. Um, is that the way we should be looking at it? Um, is 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 age extremely important with confirmation um or is it kind of like baptism where it's um it should be open to all even though like sometimes there is an age right uh great question and you know perhaps at the risk of oversimplification i guess i would just say two things you know the, firstly it is it is the case that the sacrament of confirmation is often known as the sacrament of Christian maturity. Uh, 
-hmm. Very, very true. That is the case. However, uh, it's not, it would be a mistake to assume that um, spiritual maturity always and everywhere goes hand in hand with like normal biological human life maturity. Mm-hmm. As if to say, you know, uh, you know, only only the man or only uh, uh, the older man or, or whatever is capable of receiving or, or uh, embracing the grace of the sacrament. I mean, sometimes uh, adult faith can be found in someone who is biologically not technically uh, have reached the fullest state of adulthood. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, even even in the early church, you see, you know, tons of martyrs uh, who are children, uh, virgin right. martyrs. I mean, so small that like, you know, the 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 uh, the shackles and things that are typically used for adult prisoners uh, don't even fit them. Like it's just and and they are. They are fully living the implications of the sacrament and are not sort of, you know, by biological standards, uh, fully uh, mature adults. So in a way, it, it you know, while it is, you know, um, and um, and I guess the second thing I would say to, to kind of build on that is, as I said earlier at the beginning of the of this podcast, in the beginning of the life of the church, the sacraments of initiation were all given together mm-hmm. by the bishop. That is baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist. Uh, and even into this day in the Eastern church, they're all given this way. So that is to say that in that ancient understanding, the prerequisite of reason to like affirm or deny whether they want it or not, or, or, or I agree to it or is, is not being assumed in all three of these actually. Right. right. So I mean, th- th- this is, this is, you know, there is historical reasons why a temporal separation between baptism and confirmation comes into existence after about the fifth and sixth century in the Latin West, when the Bishop can't physically, uh, be present at all of them. So what happens is you 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 have a, well you know he's gonna come around and do the baptisms and then and then, you know and then, and then you know there's a temporal delay and then you know we get confirmation and then, and that over time, comes to be like a separated out thing and now you know um, the priest bishop can delegate a priest to, say confirmation when he can't be there in person. Um, so I'm just saying, you know, the what we now see is like a temporal separation, like a child or infant gets it, and then, uh, you know, when they're, you know, really little, and then when when somebody comes of age and they're mature and all of that, then they can receive uh, confirmation. I mean, so all that's to say is, some of that is the result of historical development, just the way history has unfolded in the natural practice of uh, and, and just disciplinary practice of the sacrament. But in terms of like its theology, um, the kind of biological maturity is not always, is not necessarily assumed as a prerequisite, even 
in the case, strictly speaking, of confirmation. Uh, but but it, it but on, in most normal circumstances, it, it is it is that case though, right? I mean, and right. because today that's the reality, right? People who are listening to the podcast and raising families and and you know the normal procedure in in most parishes today now is yes, you go to baptism first as an infant, and then you have a time of preparation and you pick a name. And, and a patron, and you study the you know the basic tenets of the faith, and then you embrace the sacrament. That that's the way it is now, and mm-hmm. um, and and there's something fitting about that, it, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess you know, so maybe, um, uh, yeah. So maybe strictly speaking, you know, on you know, and whether you know, maybe not absolutely necessary, but there is something kind of. Um, right and fitting in the way that that history has developed in its practice of the sacrament that now sort of um, you know inherently invites the the reasoned assent and 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 uh, living into it embracing it and you know going in with the eyes open so to speak um, right because that is something that the West does has in its advantage in the way that it s- separates it out that the East does not I mean that's the thing I mean uh, you receive the sacrament of confirmation as an infant, and even the Eucharist as an infant, and mm-hmm. there's no reasonable, there's no reasoned assent to it at all. Now, I mean, so, I mean, it, it doesn't kind of make or break it in either way. The fact that the West does it one way and the East does it the other way, but you know, you perhaps there is a way though to lean into the natural advantages in some way that we that that, that we have in that. You know, you can right. you can appreciate what's being given to you in a way that an infant can't, mm-hmm. uh, and and kind of live into that and uh, receive it and 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 that that is not for nothing, you know. Right, right, yeah. No, that's great. And then yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, it kind of shows as, as you explained that it's not necessarily a biological maturity, um, right? When uh, St. Paul speaks of uh, maturity and receiving the sacrament in the letter of Hebrews. Um, he, um, sorry, yeah, whatever, letter of Hebrews. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Uh, Paul speaks of, uh, about the, the maturity, right, of, of, the, of the individual who's receiving this, the, the gift of confirmation or the gift of the Holy Spirit as he's laying on the hands. Um, he's not speaking about a biological maturity. Um, and he's speaking about a what's called what some priests refer to as a sacramental maturity in the sense like they have received baptism, therefore, they are now mature enough in the faith to receive confirmation, right? Um, That's right. And, um, just to uh kind of go off a little bit on for the parents' uh knowledge in Diocese of Charlotte, the minimum age to receive confirmation is 12, um, according to uh. Uh, the bishop's rulings. So uh, we we are open to receiving, uh, having your kids receive confirmation at 12. Um, I know it's commonly that they do it in eighth grade or even a little older, um, but um, we are, you know, not changing anything about the teachings of the church or anything like that. It's, it's and we're recognizing that it is a spiritual maturity, not necessarily a biological maturity. Um, and that we want them to receive this gift as soon as possible so they can go out and spread the word and have that grace in them 
even earlier so they can um, have continue on the faith and grow deeper in the faith and have more knowledge and uh, persevere to teach the faith, but also um, defend the faith as well. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a that's a wonderful way to kind of, you know, put a punctuation point on a lot of this is that, you know, in the end, the whole end goal of the church is 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 the salvation of, of souls and 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 uh and it's like you know anything and everything to to assist that to make that happen and um yeah so and um but yeah no this yeah the it's right. very good I mean, yeah and yeah i just think yeah this is you know this is really good because i mean i think you know these are uh, I mean, the irony for as important as these sacraments are, they're not always so well um, understood or appreciated even maybe for what they are, for what they, what, for, you know, the logic of why they are asked of us or why, you know, it was set up this way. I mean, right. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So. Right. Yeah. And as you say, like there's, there's, I mean, in the church, it's acceptable. Like the church never recognized that this was a biological thing. In the East, it's you know, they get all the infancy. My, uh, my wife and I, we we are we are Eastern Catholic, not canonically, and right, both, right, you know, have received all of it. Now we have to hey, take on the responsibility of like ha helping them know that as they get older, and um, helping helping them understand that they have those roots in them. So it's different parenting styles within the East and West. <laughs> In regards to oh that. yeah that's exactly yeah. that's such a great point you know and and, yeah. and i would just say absolutely i mean it, it just goes to uh you know ratify the kind of social and communal reality that is the church right i mean and that like yeah so i mean and it's a, you know like while a kind of you know the the the, the emphasis and on the individual and and the kind of his own what you know whatever is a kind of hallmark in some ways of the west right um you know in the east there is that kind of intense you know still communal collective sense of like what's happening and that we're all invested in this even when one soul right i mean you would you know when one child or one soul is brought into the church to receive and it's like the whole church in that building is like standing in for the child professing the faith right they all because right, yeah. i mean doesn't the, i mean the, the the priest right i mean it's not he's, he's asking the entire congregation to recite right. to make the profession and it's like you know so everyone's invested in this and 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 like you said you know the, the raising of the child that that they come to uh you know know what what it is that that, that they've been given and all of that so right. yeah i mean that's just a great it's just you know in a time when everybody, you know, that, that sense of being alone or, you know, you don't realize that, that how invested the church is in you. And, 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 and so that, that, you know, that's a great, that's just a great point, I think. Right. And just to make a short clarification, I, I said earlier that Paul wrote Hebrews. It's theologically debated whether he did or not, but <laughs> I said right, Paul. No. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Um, um, any last thoughts, comments? Um, um, I, I mean, uh, we've covered quite a lot of ground. I, I, uh, I mean, I don't know if I have, uh, you know, any necessarily anything specific. Perhaps, I mean, just just to say that, I mean, you know, that uh, you know, the, the point made at the very beginning that that 
the whole outflow of or the, the whole um, growth of the Christian life across you know the whole of one's life is uh, is the living out of what is given in in this you know this initial sacrament and so it's like just the importance of it and and that um, you know that that really becoming a saint is nothing more than realizing and living out the implications of your baptism and and you know and confirmation on, on top of that and um, so it, it that uh, the importance of it and, and 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 the depth of meaning and all of that can't be should never be lost sight of I guess and that um, yeah I mean yeah um, you know I mean it, yeah so it, I guess I would just leave it at that. I mean, that, you know, we've said, we've said a lot of things, so. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Tomlinson. Um, uh, parents out there, uh, this uh, podcast will be released on the first week of September. Um, also, the issues on baptism and confirmation will be out on uh, the first week of September as well. Uh, and there you'll find more resources um, that can cover uh, more about what uh, it means to pick a saint name, uh, but also a little bit more in depth about what those sacraments are, what baptism and confirmation are. Um, there's also a bunch of links to answer any other questions you may have. And as always, I'm here to answer any questions you have. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I uh, hope to hear from you guys soon and how everything is going at home with B-Day. And I hope this podcast was helpful. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Tomlinson. Um, yes, thank you very much for having me. It was a, it was, it was a pleasure uh, and, and, a, and an honor. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys again next month uh, when we talk about the Eucharist. Very good. Uh, yep. Yeah. All right. See you, everyone.